0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And today with me I have Dr. Stephen Weiss. He's a friend of mine. He's actually a yoga teacher, chiropractor, and a nutritionist with over 32 years of professional experience. He teaches anatomy and nutrition for yoga teacher trainings and postgraduate chiropractic programs. And he's been one of the core faculty and a wellness practitioner at the Omega Institute for over 20 years. If you haven't been to the Omega Institute, you should definitely go. It's an amazing, amazing wellness place. I learned a lot from people there and learned a lot from actually uh, Dr. Steve as well. And uh, I'm so excited because Dr. Steve is now the author of The Injury-Free Yoga Practice. I have it right in front of me. It is an amazing, amazing book. I haven't seen a book like this before, and I think given that we're both practitioners, um, I really love it because of the amazing, you know, the pictures, the descriptions, and I really can see where I have some work to do, (laughs) you know, on my own yoga practice. And very, very simply written, um, very um user friendly. The analogies are wonderful. And I know Dr. Steve has been teaching for so long. He's just the national teacher. So I'm so thrilled to have him on the show today, um, that he could spend the time with us and talk about his new book. So hey Doctor Steve, welcome.
0: Hey, Doctor Karen. Thank you for having me. And thanks for your kind words. I appreciate your 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 uh, feelings about the book and what you've you've gotten from it so far. So thank you. Yeah.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, my pleasure. Well, uh, let's talk first about, uh, you know, why did you decide to write a book like this? There's a lot of different yoga books out there, and uh, I know you have a lot of experience. So what was your intention in creating this book?
0: Well, I've been practicing and teaching yoga for a number of years and involved in teacher trainings for yoga, uh, potential yoga teachers. And uh, I was noticing basically in classes that, people's alignment was just not adequate for a, a good, safe practice. And working at the Omega Institute, I I was the chiropractor for many yoga teachers and many students and new newbies to yoga. And they were, I was practicing yoga with them in the morning, and they would come in the afternoons with these injuries. And little by little, I started to see the relationship between what they were doing in class and why they were having these injuries, mm. or they weren't... They weren't improving from their injuries. Um, So over time, I started to put together uh, an understanding of what's missing from people's practices. Um, And, of course, I was very strongly influenced by uh, alignment-based yoga teaching, particularly the work of BKS Iyengar and also work from the Anasara yoga tradition, which is an offshoot, essentially, of uh, the Iyengar method. Okay. So,
1: yeah. Well, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I myself remember one of my first yoga classes. And at the time, um, I hadn't, you know, really done any yoga before. And, and the teacher was very kind, very nice. And we got into, you know, pigeon pose. And um, hmm. uh, there are other students in the class had been in the class several times. And so I did pigeon pose. I thought, well, this is pretty easy. I've got pretty good turnout on my hips. And then she had us, you know, just let go of our hands into prayer. And I remember my back, you know, really kind of straining to keep that position. Mm. And, um, you know, she, and, and, you know, I didn't really know her very well. She didn't know me very well. I looked athletic, you know what I mean? And so she didn't really (laughs) correct me at all. She just said, well, do what you can. But I really didn't know what I could do. And just holding that posture, I didn't have that back strength or the abdominal flexibility or whatever it was. Um, and I re- I remember injuring myself immediately, um, not badly, but enough to go, wow, I need either a better teacher or, <laughs> you know, more body awareness. Yeah. So it doesn't take much to really, and, and those of us that are like myself, fairly competitive, don't I mean, I know yoga is so non-competitive, but at the time it was my first class, so I wanted to like be like everybody else. If they were had their hands off, I wasn't going to put my hands, you know, on the ground. <laughs> so I was forcing sure. myself to hold this position. It was completely inappropriate. So I really appreciate you know the you know what you're talking about in your book.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I wish too that yoga was not competitive, but unfortunately, it's. It's a lot, a lot of practitioners are are still at this place where they look across the room or they look in front at the teacher and they go, oh, how come I'm not doing it that way? And so they are pushed, unfortunately. It's it's part of the practice of yoga is to surrender our ego in in that way. Mm. But, uh, yeah, we push.
1: (laughs) Right. I'm I'm much uh, a little bit, you know. More aware of it now, and um in fact, sometimes I'll tell the teacher i said "Um I may look like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but come over and, and, and feel free to like you know you know fiddle around with my body and you know he will tell me what I'm right. doing and fix me. It's okay. I remember I was in a yoga class with Rodney Yee uh, um, in at Omega Institute, and um, yes. there, it was a huge, huge class. And I had the privilege of having him fix my triangle pose. And the funniest thing was, um, I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to do the best one I can, right? And I was mm-hmm. so stiff, and he was just trying to get me to loosen up my joints. Like, and basically said, well, the chi, the en- energy's not flowing. Because I'm just so, like, in ballet, I was like, boom, you know, you're in this position, you kind of stay there. And he pretty much was like, yeah, you just keep moving, moving your toes and your knees and this whole fluid thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea, you know, <laughs> that I was yeah, just, yeah. like, stopping the chi because I just looked at someone else and go, wow, that looks like a perfect position. And I just tried to copy it, um, and I wasn't really conscious that I wasn't really, um, you know, moving the energy in my body and that was actually creating stiffness and and imbalance so that was very very eye opening yeah
0: um so yeah. Do-
1: so Dr. Steve um I uh, according to yoga journal more than 18 million north americans are now practicing yoga so it's pretty darn popular so uh so why is it so popular and you know there's a lot of other gym and exercise methods so how is the principle and practice different like why are people so attracted to it do you think
0: yeah Well, it's an interesting interesting, uh, survey done at 18 million North Americans. And even beyond that, when they questioned people, about three to five times more said that they would like to practice yoga, even though they're not doing it. So there's a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. And I think that particularly we see yoga in, you know, these days it's well out of the yoga studio. Now it's in practically every gym, YMCAs, retreat centers, every, you know, cruise ship and hotel. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has a yoga, you know, even, even my mother at a, a independent living facility, they have yoga classes there. So there's, um, it's, it's expanded everywhere. I think the real interest and I think it's somewhat misguided is that most gym exercises are about building strength and, uh, and power and, you know, maybe cardiovascular, uh, but there isn't much being done for flexibility, so we're starting to see things like Pilates, which is not so much flexibility but core strength. But but that does start to work its way into into flexibility. But but yoga, particularly now, is filling that void in the exercise realm for something that offers flexibility. The truth of it is, yoga isn't just about flexibility. In fact, you know, putting ourselves into some pretzel type position is is kind of the the big joke or misnomer about yoga. It's really about learning to balance our strength and our stability with our mobility and our flexibility. And then also very importantly, what you were saying about letting the chief chief flow, um, it's also creating space in the body. It's also creating a sense of I am either engaging lots of strength or I'm getting really flexible, but at all times, I can move any part of my body with a sense of effortlessness that there's subtle space between the tissues and particularly within the joints what in physiology they call the power of, power of power of physiological space a little joint play that I'm not so jammed up and locked in to get myself into a position so yoga yoga allows the space and allows you know the consciousness of that space to to you know develop mm.
1: Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Um,
0: sure. By the
1: way, if you're just tuning in, I'm interview interviewing Dr. Stephen Weiss, the author of the popular book Injury-Free Yoga Practice, and um, I want to uh, ask all of you, if, in case you do have a question for Dr. Steve, you can call in live and ask your question. The number to call in is eight one eight. 514-1190. Again, it is 818-514-1190. And actually, Dr. Steve, maybe you can give your um, the, uh, the websites where people can learn more about this book or learn more about you or yoga.
0: Sure, sure. Well, the book that I've written is called The Injury-Free Yoga Practice, and the website where you can order the book is injuryfreeyogapractice.com. InjuryFreeYogaPractice.com, and at the website there's a sample chapter so you can get an idea of what uh, what the writing's about and and the depth in, in which I go into the book. It's also available on Amazon, and uh, at the website there's both the printed version and a digital version as well. So a couple of options on how to get the book.
1: Oh, perfect! Great. Thanks yeah. for that. I didn't realize about the sample chapter. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah I wanted to give people a little bit of an idea of of how I've organized the material um it's it's a book that's written a little differently than all the other anatomy and uh, yoga books out there because it's a very it's not a cookbook style but it's it it, it is a how to book it is kind of the thing I you know I encourage people to read from beginning to end because information builds and builds upon itself and becomes a whole story of of the body mind experience of yoga um but it gives you this very specific details. Uh, many, many yoga workshops and programs give you little bits and pieces, and you and I mean, yoga is called a practice for a reason because it takes it takes months and months and months to, to sometimes learn one small principle and finally get it. Like, oh yeah, that's what they mean when they mm-hmm. I'm supposed to bring the head of my arm bone back or something like that. Um, so in the book, I've actually given. Years of information. I mean, it's literally my 30 years or so of of study, and it's all in one book, but um, it's the kind of a thing that, you know, there are no shortcuts, so practice is really essential to, to, you know, getting the full gist of it.
1: Well, I really appreciate uh, many of the chapters and even the anatomy and physiology chapter on the connective tissue because I'm always talking about this mm. to my patients and trying to get them to understand, you know, the fascia and the, the muscles because I think, well, I, you know, my muscle's a problem. and go, well, I'm, it may not be just the problem there, you know, just yeah. trying to understand the tendons and all the different components. So your book's actually a really great compliment to, to my book, A uh, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, because I go into it a little mm. bit, you know, at the beginning about the different. Um, uh, ways that pain can manifest in the body, and I mentioned about fascia and muscles and 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 joints and things like that, but you know not in as much great detail, so it's great that you have that chapter on there so people can really understand how the you know how the body's actually working, how is that structure actually working um yeah. let me ask you Thank another you. question um sure. since your book is on developing an injury free yoga practice, are all yoga poses actually safe and injury free in your opinion
0: yeah well, that's a great question you know um, many times people have a particular injury and it's and it's really important for them to seek out professional advice you know if there's any kind of physical physical limitation, such as arthritis or heart disease maybe disc herniations um, uh, connective tissue disorders like you've mentioned uh, it's important to get a professional opinion Unfortunately, not all professionals, regardless of what profession they are, un- think, understand that yoga is a, uh, has a wide range of how it can be practiced, and they may say, "Well, just don't you know do this; it's too dangerous," or "You know, this uh, don't do this pose, or don't do that." Um, mm. My opinion is, yoga essentially is somewhat neutral. There's nothing magical about it in terms of producing this great healing experience. And it's also not a cause, cause of trauma in spite of the fact that there are more and more yoga injuries that are happening. It isn't the yoga itself. It's like getting in your car. You can either crash your car or it could get you to where you want to go. But the car itself is somewhat neutral in, in its, in its uh, relationship to you. Um, so it's how you practice yoga. That's the key. Uh, you know, yoga itself, the word yoga means union, and it's the union between the body and the mind, And how the body and the mind unite is through awareness. And the way the body and the mind create awareness is essentially alignment. So if we use alignment in our practice, if we understand the basic blueprint of the body, the physiology of the body, the mechanics of our joints and muscles, and we don't exceed that, we follow the yogic principles of not doing harm and not... pushing ourselves and using wisdom in our poses, um, then, then we stay within our normal physiology. And the body loves alignment. It really responds, all the systems respond really well to alignment. So if we're careful, if we learn in the impeccability of alignment, we never push ourselves beyond the point where we're losing our foundations and our alignment, And yes, I think think most yoga poses for most people will be extremely therapeutic and beneficial. Um, And then, of course, like I said, if there are specific modifications, that awareness comes in where that individual student needs to understand their body. They need to be aware of their body. They need to seek out advice where they, you know, professionally and know what their limitations are and bring that to their poses and modify their poses and still find their alignment so that they can receive the therapeutic benefits.
1: Ah, I see, I see. So are there people that um that shouldn't uh, I mean from what you're saying it sounds like it's uh, available to, you know, to all and it's a matter of um really understanding and learning that alignment piece and understanding and being aware of your body but are there any um, as in yogic traditions contraindications to doing yoga, like pregnancy or having a disease or anything?
0: Yeah. Well, pregnancy, there are, there are actually classes and teacher trainings for yoga for pregnancy. So, of course, there would be modified poses, such as not putting pressure on the abdomen, you know, uh, in, a, in a prone position, things like that. Um, things to be concerned about certainly are... Are issues around um, heart disease? Anyone with, who has had history of of any kind of um, uh, placking of the arteries, it doesn't mean you know. There's so certain poses, let's say inversions, where someone might have high uh, blood pressure or has had some history of aneurysm. Uh, they may have to modify their poses. The, still, some inversion would be very useful, and there are ways to do it that it isn't as extreme, and you could build up very slowly. Um, but you need to modify uh, certainly in those beginning stages. Um, an active disc herniation would also be something that you'd have to be mm. concerned about. However, you know, uh, like talking about inversions, most cultures around the world, other than first world cultures, you know, American and otherwise, um, they'd load the spine. When I'm in Asia or in Central America, you know, I see these women. Walking by, they could be seventy, eighty years old with fifty, sixty pounds of weight balanced on their head, and I've always been amazed by how perfect their posture is. In fact, I realized that they couldn't carry all that weight on their head and not hold perfect posture, not hold the right curves to their spine and load it properly. Otherwise, they would, you know, it wouldn't survive. And uh, as as a cultural, you know, uh, practice. So, you know, also I've heard from people that when they x-ray some of these older people in these cultures, that their spines don't have any degenerative uh, damage the way we often see, you know, most commonly see in in like an American uh, culture. So um, basically, you know, we, uh, we don't have an opportunity to load and put pressure on our spine. So things like headstands. Um, are actually quite beneficial for creating more bone density. Um, mm. And the man, the man who I said I've studied with, BKS Angar, he's going to be 95 this year, and he spends thir- 30 minutes every day doing all sorts of inversions, um, keeping himself firm and, you know, and stable and solid.
1: Oh, that is really interesting. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Um, and I've had such difficulty, I shouldn't say such difficulty because I don't really practice um, headstands that much, is, uh, um, you know, because I was like, oh, it hurts my head. Uh, but uh, when I recently started doing acro yoga, and uh, oh. there is was uh, a couple of positions where we do shoulder stand um, balanced on our, our partner's knees and whatever, I realized that it wasn't actually that hard for me. Um, so the difficulty for me was that, you know, from the neck and above, you know, the head, you know, the the, the head or, the, or I can't do a handstand very well, my shoulders are, you know, I, I can't feel where my shoulders are in space. But when it's just balanced on my shoulder, on my partner, I don't have any problems staying up there. So it's really interesting just mm. the awareness of, of that learning, like, wow, okay. So my headstand issue is not that I can't balance my core. I do that great. <laughs> it's some other, you know, mechanical thing that I'm not used to. Um, what you're yeah, saying is so yeah. true. We are not used to, you know, and I really like the inversions, um, but we're not used to, you know, putting pressure on our heads like that. We think that must be bad. But like you said, there's other cultures that they do it all the time. It's no big deal. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. No, that's a very good point. And, and a lot of the time the reason why we can't effectively do headstand is that our shoulders are tight and more importantly the upper thoracic so the upper part of the back is usually we don't engage that very well so that part usually stays rounded and and not vitalized and not very little movement mm-hmm. in there so it puts more strain because the neck is one of the most is certainly the most flexible portion of the spine and then just below that the upper thoracic area the area behind the heart is probably the least uh, flexible part of the spine So if we don't engage from where we're least mobile first, if we don't try to get some movement in the upper back, the neck is forced to overwork. And then you have your shoulders, which are very hypermobile too. So you've got a very flexible neck. You've got very Mm -hmm. flexible shoulders. And then the opportunity for that upper back to ever participate is, is limited unless we bring consciousness and awareness to the idea that I need to move from my upper thoracic first. So in yoga, one of the common uh, cues for people is to melt the heart forward, or lead from the heart, so that we're creating actually extension through the thoracic spine, pressing the spine straighter as the heart goes moves forward. And I move mm. from my upper chest, upper heart, and then I would move my shoulders, and then I would move my neck, and last I would move my eyeballs. So if the teacher says, turn and look up to the sky, I don't want to look up from my eyeballs. I want to start from my chest. I want to make sure my throat is back. I want to tilt my head. And then last, would my eyes go up? So creating a hierarchy of, of understanding, moving from where I'm least mobile, give that the opportunity, and then work my way up so that I don't always exploit my hyperflexible parts of my body.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And, that's, and you you yeah. pretty much diagnosed um, what's going on with me. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> thoracic is tight. Yeah, that's it. And when yeah. I try to do shoulder stand, I can't get that beautiful vertical shape that I see in the pictures. You know, I'm always kind of tilted. Um, it doesn't hurt me to do it at all, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing shoulder stand. But I'm like, wow, that thoracic is just so curved, you know? I was like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, well, do you, you have know, any so much of our on our lifestyle doing shoulder stand? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say so much of our lifestyle is the like the bear hug position. And, in fact, we have more range of motion, about 30% more range of motion in that bear hug position. And, and our chest muscles are about 30% stronger than our upper back muscles. So um, wow. one of the things we want to do is spend more time developing those upper back muscles such as the rhomboids, the serratus muscles, um, even the posterior deltoid muscle. That's a very common reason why people get rotator cuffs because they don't have enough strength on the mm. back muscle and the shoulders roll forward, exposing the, the um the rot- the supraspinatus of the rotator cuff. So we, we strengthen the back, but we also learn to basically like I said, we melt the heart uh, often when when I find someone who moves their head and neck so much or shoulders, I tell them to imagine that their eyeballs are located just at the at their breastbone, like between the first and second uh, ribs, where it attaches to the to the sternum to the breastbone. So you're dropping your eyeballs down about five or six inches, and imagine every time you turn, every time you do anything, you're moving from there. So it's like you're leading, hmm. you know, it's from just from almost like you're leading from the heart. You're turning from the heart. You're moving, and everything is. I mean, it's a nice metaphor for how we want to live life anyway, but if we always move from our heart, if we always move from like that space between the first and second rib and see the world from that space, we'll start to engage, we'll start to enliven that upper thoracic region, and then once that's engaged, we make sure that we never roll the shoulders out of alignment. Another common thing I tell my students, which is a very simple idea, is that the chest is on the front of the body, and the shoulders are on the back. Hmm. Now, it's very simple, but it's, for most people, they cannot go through a yoga practice without half their poses violating that basic, basic principle. Uh, so the chest stays in front. We always keep the shoulders behind. And, of course, the arms are attached to the shoulders and not attached to the chest. So we keep the arms in line with the shoulders in our poses. And we don't roll the shoulder forward and we don't collapse the chest and we don't have the arm moving as if it's coming out of the chest. Um, so just that idea. So we draw the head of the arm bone, the, the, the humeral head, we draw it deep into the socket and we take that shoulder, the shoulder blades and we let them come onto the back close to the spine and we imagine that the two shoulder blades are like hands that are cradling that heart and guiding it forward. So not only are we leading from our hearts, but our shoulder blades are supporting us and guiding us and cradling us as we move forward in, in everything we do.
1: Wow, that feels really different. Sorry, I'm doing it right now.
0: <laughs> <I'm> talking, <laughs> thank you.
1: Just imagining that. and Yeah, that's different, definitely, because it's so yeah. tempting to just like let that whole back body just collapse and crawl yeah. yeah. forwards. Um, and I can, you know, I can definitely easily touch my nose to my knees when I do a forward bend, just letting everything just kind of collapse. So that's really mm. interesting. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um we have one a of the things, Mister.
0: Oh, go ahead. Oh, sure. Oh, no, go no, ahead. go
1: ahead. You go ahead.
0: I was gonna, I was gonna say that one of the things, Mister. Ingar, says is that we always draw the bones in, and then the muscles melt out. He says bones approximate and muscles extend. So if I was going to reach reach for something or even doing that forward bend, as you mentioned, instead of letting my bones and joints stretch and spread apart, I actually hug them in, and then I just let the muscles melt out. Um, I kind of think of it as like a, if the people who scuba dive know when you, when you open the tank, you go all the way open, and then you do a little half crank back off of the valve. And it's that kind of a way. you You draw everything in and then you med- let the muscles melt away. So you stay on your bones. Your your, your bones stay in their center uh, axis, and you're supporting yourself on your bone structure instead of stretching the soft tissue, instead of stretching your muscles and making those tendons vulnerable to, to injury.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, that was mm. a great visual. Thank you. Well, uh, I sure. want to make sure that people know um, where to get a copy of your book. Again, if you wouldn't mind uh, telling us the uh, domain name of uh, the website and where they can learn more about either you or your practice.
0: Sure. The website for the book is InjuryFreeYogaPractice.com, and that's and it, you can find the book there either in print or digital form. It's also available in printed form only at Amazon.com, uh, Amazon. And uh, to find out more information about me, you can go to that website and then there's, there's there's, uh, ways to link to my other website, which is AlignByDesignYoga.com. And then from there, you'll find out more about the teacher trainings I do, the seminars, the workshops, Mm. a little bit about my background. Uh, Also on Facebook, if you went to the Injury-Free Yoga Practice or AlignByDesign.com, you can like me on Facebook and stay in touch with, uh, with what's going on and where I'll be teaching and which areas and that type of thing.
1: Oh, that's fantastic and uh we don't always have uh not in every locality people always have um a yoga teacher that they like or enjoy, or sometimes like me um my just my schedule is just so you know busy that I end up doing a lot of stuff at home rather than necessarily driving somewhere to a class. So it's really great to have a resource um, like your book and uh, to to go through, like you said, from the you know from the beginning to the end, to really have a comprehensive understanding of of what I'm doing. So I really you know as a self a starter <laughs> myself, I really enjoy you know this type of um, the type of book that can walk me through because I don't always have time to to go to a class, and I really like learning on my own and and having that solitude sometimes because I'm with people all day long. And as a healer, there's just so much energy that you have to you know bring out and so it's nice to just kind of come in to myself and just have that that quiet time so it's a it's a fantastic yeah. resource so congratulations for <laughs> for uh, your accomplishment. <laughs> well, thank you it's wonderful. Yeah. So thank you, so thank you again. Yeah. Thanks, Doctor Steve, for your time. And we're we're just about out and um just appreciate, you know, what you've done, what you've contributed, you know, to yoga and uh to all of us who are really into natural wellness.
0: Well thank you, Karen Doctor Karen. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed speaking with you and I appreciate you inviting me on your show. And best of luck with everything.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> my pleasure. Okay, bye everyone. Bye, Doctor Steve. Until next time. Bye
0: bye.